What's up? This is Levon Zarike, former University of Washington football player, and this is I already forgot. <laughs> Circling Seattle Cir- Sports Podcast. Circling Seattle's that's a tongue twister. Circling. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to episode 120 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, Charles Hamaker. Um, today, uh, kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting episode, as always. Uh, it seems. Uh, to be as always i mean in the past th- uh, three or four weeks it seems like uh, the seattle sports scene has been a really unique place um you know considering the seahawks have kind of been in a bad situation the mariners have been dealing with the mlb lockout the sounders are in their free agency relatively quiet the storm have been relatively quiet uh that changed this week um the kraken have been dealing with some postponements of games so they've uh they didn't play at all uh, game wise this past week. Um, the rain has been quiet as we, as we near uh, preseason here. So it's been, it's been relatively quiet now considering the fact that the Seahawks season is over. So after this week, the only protein that's going to be in action is going to be the Kraken for the time being. Um, so it's certainly a, a unique, a unique area to be in at this time of the year. So just lucky to have the Kraken. Otherwise we would just have nothing going on right now. So uh, getting into things, um, and as our show, Seahawks took on the Arizona Cardinals on the road here in week 18. Still don't like saying week 18, uh, but the Cardinals were looking to clinch a spot as the NFC West champion this year. They were not able to do so as the Seahawks would defeat them by a score of 38 to 30. Uh, post-game thoughts. Overall, Seattle finishes out this season by spoiling the Cardinals shot at the NFC West title behind a big rushing game once again by Rashad Penny and a great day through the air by Tyler Lockett. Um, the offensive side of the ball, the offense stalled for a while uh, until Rashad Penny gets going. Tyler Lockett continues his great play at State Farm Stadium uh, with two touchdowns there and almost 100 yards. Uh, the Seahawks offensive line struggles a little bit, you know, dealing with uh, the second play from scrimmage. Uh, we see Chandler Jones get around the edge and force a fumble, uh, resulting in a defensive touchdown. Um, so, but most, mostly a positive day for the offensive side of the ball. Um, I would say in, in, uh, in sec, an exception to those, uh, initial like first quarter, second quarter drives where we'd see some stalling there on the defensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, really, I would say relatively, they held Kyler Murray, uh, to a smaller day. Uh, Jordan Brooks has a big day sitting, uh, the franchise record for tackles in a season and in a single game with 20. Uh, the secondary performance role, despite missing several key pieces, obviously out uh, some starting cornerbacks, out Jamal Adams, and then later on in this game, losing Quandre Diggs to injury. Uh, so holding on, uh, you know, playing uh, with that sort of next man up mentality, um, really unique to see, you know, guys like John Reed stepping up. Um, and no, pardon me, John Reed. Ooh. Uh, Josh Jones, pardon me, Josh Jones stepping up, had 10 tackles in that game uh, as a practice squad call-up. Um, but overall, I would say the defense they, the defense played their part. I believe they held Arizona under the 100-yard mark at the halftime spot. Um, and, yeah, held Kyler Murray, who was a MVP candidate at one point earlier in the season, to a, a pretty quiet day uh, for somebody in such a high-octane offense. Um, under, you know, supposedly an offensive guru in Cliff Kingsbury. Um, so as we look over to stat leaders here on the passing side, Russell Wilson in his normal spot, completing 15 of his 26 attempts for 238 yards and three touchdowns, uh, adding one interception, though. 
Russell had two records set that day. Russell would join Peyton Manning as the only players with at least 3,000 yards and 20 touchdowns in each of their first 10 seasons. Uh, Russell would also surpass Manning for the most wins by a quarterback in his first 10 seasons. Uh, totaling at 113, Manning sits at 112 now. Uh, on the rushing side of the ball, Rashad Penny. Big day, as I mentioned, 23 carries, 190 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, I said it on the CSS on Converge episode earlier today. It's so weird to me that, you know, you can look at a 190-yard game and uh, the 170-yard games in the past, um, 170-yard game yes, the last week, 130-plus the last few, and to think, wow, just to not think about it like that, you know, to not really say, whoa, you know, this is a big deal. Um, as mentioned last week, it's been incredible to see Rashad uh, really show great potential uh, in these last few weeks of the regular season. And I will admit, you know, uh, on the show here, not just me, but, you know, Bennett and Omari could say we were, we were critics of Rashad and it was kind of a tough outlook. I mean, you know, the four years, I'm not really doing much. Um, not being able to stay healthy, not being able to stay in the field, not being able to be productive. Uh, it's got to be tough, you know, um, but he, he persevered. And uh, it seems like this is his moment, this current point. And from, uh, it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. Just considering, uh, I know that Penny said that he would like to stay in Seattle, said that this is home. Um, and that can all change if a team offers a bigger contract, right? Um so it's interesting to see where we go from here and what uh, may lay um, in Rashad Penny's future as we look at it now, uh, whether it be with Seattle or a different team. Uh, we look at the receiving side of it, Tyler Lockett, five receptions, 98 yards, and two touchdowns. Tackles-wise, Jordan Brooks, 20 total tackles, 14 solo tackles, and two tackles for loss. On the turnover side of the ball, uh, Cody Thompson uh, had one fumble recovery on a muffed punt by the Cardinals that would set up the Seahawks in great field position uh, to really help them out in that second half. Uh, on the offensive and defensive MVPs on the offensive side of the ball, I figured that Rashad Penny was the easy call for there. Uh, I mean, 190 yards rushing is insane to think about. Um, and to join Sean Alexander as the only two running backs in franchise history to have, uh, I believe it was three 130-plus uh, rushing yards games uh back to back to back is insane to think about you know and alexander did it having two hall of famers on his offensive line in walter jones um and steve hutchinson so um a pretty incredible feat and like i said so incredible that i was uh somewhat numb to the success there um these past few weeks perhaps just because it's become a lost season and you're not going to the playoffs uh next week so on the defensive side of the ball, I also thought it was um, relatively obvious, at least in my eyes, uh, Jordan Brooks, 20 total tackles on the game is insane on its own, but to be in your second year and to set the franchise record for tackles uh, in a season is also insane, right? Um, I got to know that might bite a little bit um, at Bobby Wagner, who was uh, had set that record uh, and was going to look to further it. Um, in this game, had he been healthy, but he wasn't. Uh, and so Jordan Brooks takes over. Uh, and so I would just say, do not take these two for granted. Uh, just like, you know, some may have done uh, with KJ Wright. Uh, so, you know, big deal there. Um, pardon me. Uh, big deal 
I mean, second year and to do that is, is really unique. Um, as we have to take, well, and then just, just before we uh, sort of end talking things about that game, um, it is really a nice, a nice finish to the season. Uh, as I've continued to say um, ever since it was, became pretty clear to me that this team wasn't making the playoffs. Uh, this has been a head banging against the wall sort of season. It's been really frustrating. It's been tough. Um, and there have been a lot of questions that have been asked about this organization and the roster. All right. Um, it was a nice win. It was always, it's always great to beat your division teams, uh, especially in a division where three of those teams are going to the playoffs uh, this year in the NFC. Um, but it can't be lost that there are serious issues with this team right now. Uh, I mean, really need to be addressed um, correctly. It can't be a stopgap sort of thing. It can't be a put a bandaid over the, uh, the bullet hole sort of thing, right? We cannot have those sort of issues right now continue to affect us going forward. Uh, because if you do it right, you can extend that playoff, that championship window instead of, you know, rolling the dice relatively, right? It's not bargain bin guys. It's making sure that you scout right. It's making sure that you take care of your draft capital correctly. It's making sure that you sign the right guys, making sure that you extend the right guys, making sure you take a chance on the right people. Um, so uh, a good win, but I hope that the, the win aspect of it doesn't, the recency bias doesn't get in the way of the fact that there were a lot of issues uh, this past season. And I know that there were a lot of close one score games, but um you could change those from being one score losses to multiple score wins um, with the right adjustments. As we look over to the injury news side of things uh, prior to game time on Tuesday, January the 4th, Alex Collins was placed on injured reserve with an abdomen injury ending his season as a corresponding move. Defensive back, Josh Johnson was signed off of the practice squad on Friday, the 7th Bobby Wagner was ruled out of the season finale with a knee injury. He had sprained his knee and the swelling had not gone down enough. Uh, for him to be able to play in this game. So he was going to be shut down for that. Um, others that were ruled out for week 18 at the Cardinals on Friday uh, were right tackle Brandon Shell dealing with shoulder injury and a stint on the COVID list. Uh, Shell would miss the past five games of the season. Not exactly a good thing when your job might be in jeopardy. You're playing on a, a you know, a, not a long-term contract uh, with this team, right? And the offensive line has been something that's been critiqued through the season. So um, at least as it looks right now, uh, if I'm Seattle, and I'm in that uh, front office room. Uh, the two positions that I would look at as of need um, this offseason on the offensive line would be center and right tackle. If I can get some high quality, high caliber talent um, at those positions, that's a, that's a win right there. That is a positive step uh this offseason not only to protect russell wilson but also you know in the running game get somebody that you you can count on um yeah that you can count on i mean you missed the last five games of the season obviously you knew that you weren't going to make the playoffs but you'd like to have that consistency you'd like to have um your starters available right so uh so the other man that was ruled out for week 18 would be cornerback John Reed with a concussion. So yeah, I apologize. John Reed was not available for that game. Uh, questionable for week 18 as announced on Friday were tight end, Will Disley offensive guard, Gabe Jackson and defensive end, Carlos Dunlap Dunlap would play in that game. 
Uh, Saturday the 8th, the following roster moves were made by Seattle prior to Week 18 at the Cardinals. Uh, right tackle Brandon Shell was placed on injured reserve in order to make room for tight end Tyler Mabry, who was signed off of the uh, signed to the active roster as a corresponding move. Um, offensive guard Kyle Fuller was added to the COVID-19 list. Uh, so the um, COVID-19 list at the current point on Saturday uh, was defensive end Alton Robinson, defensive tackle Al Woods, safety Ryan Neal, cornerback Gavin Heslop, and defensive tackle Miles Adams. Uh, in a corresponding move, uh, as replacement players, the following were signed off of the practice squad, wide receiver Cody Thompson, defensive back Miles Jack, Michael Jackson, pardon me, defensive back Josh Jones, and wide receiver Aaron Fuller, who was a former Husky. Um, dang. Um, so the game day inactives uh, for the game against the Cardinals were quarterback Jake Abeson. Um, there we go. Quarterback Jake Abeson, offensive guard Gabe Jackson, tight end Will Disley, linebacker Bobby Wagner, and cornerback John Reed. Uh, in post-game, interview, post-game uh, injuries, pardon me, free safety Quandre Diggs announced that he broke his right fibula and dislocated his right ankle. The only positive things about that injury and i don't really like saying that because you can't say a lot positive about an injury right Uh, especially when you're putting an air cast and you're crying and your teammates are upset about it you know that's something there's much you can get that's positive out of that um would be that uh there was no ligament damage uh to the right leg of quandre Diggs, so uh it's supposedly a clean break there on the right side the right leg there uh, and the timetable that I've been told uh, for digs is four months. So we will see about that there. Uh, and the other thing to note uh, after the game was that wide receiver DK Metcalf, uh, as per Pete Carroll, may need offseason surgery for a bone spur in his foot. So they're still looking at that to see if that is an option that they should pursue, uh, something that they need um, to do um, this offseason, you know, as we – this is the first day of the off season here. Um, in team related notes on January the 5th, Rashad Penny earned NFC offensive player of the week honors for his 170 yard performance against the lions. Um, and also on Wednesday, the fifth Russell Wilson wins the Bart star award. The Bart star award is handed out annually to the player who best exemplifies outstanding character and leadership in the home on the field and in the community. Uh, it is voted on by the players, and it was also at one point voted on by Bart Starr himself uh, while he was alive. Um, Wilson joins Hall of Fame wide receiver Steve Largent and former quarterback Trent Dilfer as the only Seahawks to win the player-voted award. So congratulations, Russell, on that. On Thursday the 6th, Russell Wilson stated that his goal going forward is to win more Super Bowls in Seattle. Uh, on Friday, January the 7th, DK Metcalf stated that he is not trying to leave and would like a contract extension from the Seahawks. Metcalf's final year of his rookie contract ends next season. Uh, also, uh, oh no, pardon me. On Sunday the 10th, the 2022 opponents for the Seahawks were finalized after all of the games finished. Um, so at home, obviously the Seahawks will play their NFC West opponents as per usual. Uh, but the other teams that will play Uh, They will play are the Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, Denver Broncos, Oakland Raiders, New York Giants, and New York Jets. All of those teams 
coming up to Seattle and Lumen Field next season. Um, and on the away side, obviously the team will play their NFC West opponents as per usual, uh, but they will also play the New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Kansas City Chiefs, LA Chargers, and Detroit Lions. You know, you look at three of those games that, uh, that I will look at personally on the away side of it. Tampa Bay, you know, more than likely they will have Tom Brady still. Um, and they've got a lot of talent on that roster outside of Brady, right? Uh, Tom Brady, you play the Chiefs as well. Patrick Mahomes and a ton of talent on that roster. And the LA Chargers, the LA Chargers are a young team. They're a good team. Justin Herbert, those are three games that should be really exciting and also more than likely difficult. Um, so got those to look forward to, those opponents next season. Um, and then Monday, January 10th, a uh, couple pieces here. Uh, Pete Carroll stated that I am in great shape and that he is not worried about his job safety. Uh, backup quarterback Geno Smith was arrested early Monday morning on suspicion of DUI. Smith would put out a tweet that would allude that there may be more to the story than the headline and basically said, uh, trust me, there will be more to know about this in due time, um, which is interesting. You know, it's a DUI, so kind of wonder what else there will be to the story there. And also the Seahawks signed 12 players to the 2022 future contracts uh, list. The players that they would sign to the practice squad to reserve slash future contracts for 2022 would be defensive tackle Miles Adams, wide receiver Matt Cole, linebacker Aaron Donker, tackle Greg Eland, wide receiver Aaron Fuller, defensive tackle Jared Hewitt, cornerback Mike Jackson, wide receiver Kate Johnson, guard Pierre-Olivier Lestage, wide receiver Cody Thompson, uh, linebacker Lakeem Williams, and defensive tackle Niles Scott. The only two players uh, who finished the year on this uh, practice squad who do not sign future deals on Monday were safety Josh Johnson and linebacker Edmund Robinson. Um, interesting. Yes, okay. Um, so uh, the Seahawks wrap up the regular season uh, with a big win uh, against the Cardinals, but as I mentioned, a lot to look forward to and a lot to be addressed this offseason uh, if this club wants to get not only back to playoff contention, but you'd like to see, you know, more than just playoffs, you know, contending for Super Bowls there. Um, in league-related news, on Wednesday the 5th, NFL teams announced that they can be – the NFL announced that teams can be docked draft picks and they'll be fined heavily for unprofessional behavior during interviews at the NFL draft. Uh, in addition to this, the infamous Wonderlick test was scrapped as well. On Thursday, the 6th, the Buccaneers officially released wide receiver Antonio Brown. Uh, Saturday, the 8th, the headline came out that there was a speculation around the league. The wideout may have played his last career game uh, after his release from Tampa Bay. So, uh, again, wide receiver Antonio Brown in the news. Um, as we took the approach last week, I'm hoping that uh, Brown is able to get the help that he needs. I'm not entirely sure about the situation because, you know, I am not in his camp. I am not Antonio Brown. Uh, but it certainly is a unique situation um, since, since that time uh, Brown has come out and bashed Brady saying that he needs talent to win games. Um, so y you do have to wonder about it, but I do remember a time where it seemed that there wasn't going to be an Antonio Brown future in the NFL. And then he joined the Bucks. Um, albeit that was because of Tom Brady's support. But we will ultimately see um, 
what comes of Antonio Brown, whether we see him um, in the future uh, as an NFL player, that is. Um, also on the 6th, uh, the Washington football team announced that they will get their new name uh, with that announcement coming here on February the 2nd. Uh, they have teased new uniforms on social media as well. Mm-hmm. And then the final headline from the six is that uh, there will be no capacity limit at this year's Super Bowl. The Los Angeles County officials stated that they do not plan to limit the big game's attendance despite COVID-19 infection rates rising amid the Omicron variant outbreak. So uh, there was a headline that came out a few days before that stating that the NFL has uh, backup plans, backup sites uh, for the Super Bowl if need be, and that will not be the case. Um, On January the 8th, on Saturday, Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh confirms that he has interest in a return to the NFL. Uh, Harbaugh would tell a recruit that he will entertain offers from NFL teams. Uh, the second headline from the eighth is that the NFL dominates the TV landscape in the United States. The league reportedly had 75 of 100 most watched television programs in 2021. Only six non-sports programs would make the list. Uh, on Sunday, the ninth Black Monday approaches Mike Zimmer likely to be fired by the Vikings as they were reportedly looking to shape some things up. That was announced on Sunday. Also announced on Sunday, the Broncos uh, would fire Vic Fangio after three seasons and a 19-30 and 30 record. Uh, Fox insider Jay Glazer uh, reported that there may be uh, a surprise or two among the firings that take place. Uh, also on Sunday, despite their win over the Colts, the Jaguars secure the number one overall pick in this upcoming draft. Uh, they have done so in back-to-back seasons. They are the first team to do uh, to do that such feat when get the number one overall pick in consecutive seasons since Cleveland did so in the 2017-2018 uh, season seasons. And then also on Sunday, uh, in a surprising move, the LA Chargers would call a timeout late in their game against the Oakland Raiders. Uh, uh, Vegas would then follow it. After that, Vegas would get a first down kick a field goal and win that game uh, in overtime. So this is interesting because the the Chargers beat, no, pardon me, the Jaguars beating the Colts meant that if the Chargers and the Raiders had somehow tied their game, that both of those teams would make the Super Bowl, pardon me, Geez, the Super Bowl, the playoffs, both of those teams would make the playoffs and the Pittsburgh Steelers would be knocked out. Um, this game would go be crazy. It would go to overtime with an improbable drive by the Chargers late in the fourth quarter. Um, and it seemed like the Raiders were going to let this game come to a tie. The overtime period was running out. Uh, it was below 30 seconds uh, and neither team had called a timeout. And then... Uh, just when it seemed like this was going to take place, um, for some reason, uh, the Chargers would call timeout and it would change things. Uh, a tie in the game would have sent both teams to the playoffs, as mentioned. Quarterback Derek Carr, after the game, said that the Raiders' strategy changed after the Chargers' timeout was called. And on Monday, head coach of the Chargers, Brandon Staley, would defend the timeout, stating that he wanted to get his team, quote-unquote, in the right grouping. So that is... 
really unique to see. Um, on Monday the 10th, uh, Minnesota officially fires head coach Mike Zimmer in the, uh, as well as general manager Rick Spielman. Uh, Miami would fire head coach Brian Flores, the first big surprise of Black Monday. Uh, Flores had a Miami in a turnaround after a red start to the season, winning not, uh, eight of their nine games to end the year. Uh, Miami, Miami is reportedly not looking at Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh, despite their owner uh, being a prominent Michigan booster. Their owner uh, actually said that he hopes Harbaugh stays in Michigan, which would make sense considering he's a Michigan booster. Um, and Chicago would fire head coach Matt Nagy after four seasons, in addition to firing general manager Ryan Pace. Uh, New York Giants general manager Dave Gettleman reportedly retired. Uh, the Giants would, though, hold on to head coach Joe Judge uh, in lieu, uh, in lieu, despite his 4-13 and season this past year. So the Seahawks finish out the uh, year with a 7-10 and record, fourth in the NFC West. We will have a season recap coming for you uh, next week on next week's episode. Um, but certainly, certainly a, uh, an interesting year is what I'll say. Um, looking at our Seattle Mariners, obviously no direct team news as we are still in the MLB lockout. But there is some positive to look at here. Uh, in league-related notes, uh, there's a potential hope for the end of the lockout as league and MLBPA are likely to restart the collective bargaining agreement negotiations in the near future. The league is reportedly preparing a new economic proposal to send to the players. Um, this is a big deal because, well, not, I won't say that. Um, what's important to note is that whenever we have a, a lockout, um, in any sport, or at least in the recent future, the recent, oh God, in recent years, um, or recent lockouts, uh, things don't really change until money potentially gets impacted. Now, pitchers and catchers are supposed to report to spring training um, in early February. So, you know, we're, we're getting to that. We're almost at the middle of the month here. So, it's certainly something to to look at as the uh, as spring training spring training is supposed to approach us. Um, so we'll see if the teams look to hurry things up and you know get this lockout ended. And then the other thing from league notes: uh, the first female minor league baseball manager would begin her time uh, next season. Rachel Balkovec will serve as the manager for the Yankees low a affiliate in Tampa Bay. Uh, so that's a big deal there. Uh, and certainly really cool to see that. So upcoming schedule for the uh, Mariners MLB is still in lockout. Um, this is your time to check out Hom Seattle. That is H O M S S E A T T L E.com. Hom Seattle. Homs has your back in the loving big brother kind of way. Our goal is to change the mental health conversation. One heart at a time uh over the past year uh homs did a lot had a lot of great products come out had a lot of great limited editions so uh, i'm excited to see what they do this upcoming year in 2022 um looking over at our seattle sounders here seattle is rumored to have signed albert rusnak to a deal through 2023 with an option for 2024 now there are still reportedly some steps coming for the contract to be finalized and made official uh official announcements last to come 
but uh, I have some good source that have been talking about how this deal, a deal with uh, Dylan Tevis on a homegrown contract, um, how a deal with uh, Kellen Rowe and how a deal with uh, Alex Roldan uh, are supposed to be coming in the somewhat near future um, and supposed to be something to note. Um, so some big, that's four signings there um, that would give us some information about the near future uh, of this roster. Um, so that's something to note. We don't have anything in place. It's Monday at 11.25 p.m. We have no official note as of this current moment. So uh, we'll have to update you next week. Hopefully we will know about that by then uh, instead of playing some sort of waiting game, right? Um, speaking of signings in legal-aided news, Toronto FC signs Insigni. Uh, the MLS club finally announces the signing of Napoli star Lorenzo Insigni to a four-year deal. This deal had been rumored about, had been talked about, and is finally made official. Uh, Sydney's contract takes up more than half of the total team salary for Toronto. So that's, geez, that's really interesting to note. Um, and it'll also be interesting to see um, how Toronto uh, had their season play out and, you know, how uh, he plays, you know, four-year deal, uh, a lot of money. Uh, you hope that you make a really big impact on the team there. So that'll be something to look at um, and see if Toronto is able to reach a level that they, we saw when the Sounders were playing them in MLS cups. Right. So hopefully not, I would like, you know, well, we'll see. Um, Heading over to our storm here, probably some of the coolest news that we'll get this week. Um, Sue bird announces that she will return for her 19th season. Uh, the 12-time WNBA All-Star, four-time champion, announced on Instagram on January 7th that she will return to play in 2022. So we finally get an answer on that. I had kind of figured that this would make sense. Um, um, you know, at the Kraken home opener, uh, Bird was able to get a look at the Storm locker room and the facility as a whole. Um and so, uh, yeah, oh, and she had hinted, hey, I might have to come back to play in this building. Um, and so from from what I understand now, uh, that, that might have played a factor, but we know that Sue Bird is returning, and that is one of the first dominoes to fall for the storm in free agency here in what will you know look to be a big free agency period uh, for our storm as they look to retool and get back to a, a deeper playoff run this upcoming season. Excuse me. Had to hydrate after talking so much. Um, so, as I mentioned, uh, first big domino because as we look at league notes here, the important dates for WNBA free agency are approaching. The WNBA teams are allowed to start contract negotiations um, on January 15th. So, that's five days from now, uh, four days from when this episode will come out. Um, and then on February 1st is when players can officially sign those contracts. Uh, so Seattle looking to bring back among others, you know, there's three to four players actively signed to their roster right now. Among others, Seattle's looking to bring back Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd and Jordan Canada. I know that Stewie has said that she wants to stay in Seattle and she wants to play with Sue Bird. So one of those dominoes has already fallen. Sue Bird is announced she's coming back. Um, and, you know, as if, um, if, uh, 
unless something crazy happens, Sue Bird's coming back to play with the Storm. So that de- contract, I believe, still has to be, uh, yeah, the contract will still have to be. Huh? Oh, that contract will still have to be taken care of officially, you know, numbers wise and all that good stuff. Um, but from my understanding, Sue Bird will be back with the Storm. Uh, and so the Storm should and probably will offer Brianna Stewart the uh, Supermax contract uh, in the WNBA. Um, uh, but so now, you know, effectively with what Stewie has said, um, we can more than likely say, hey, you know, it's just about making the money right. Um it comes down the other huge piece of the big three is Jewel Lloyd. Now, Jewel Lloyd probably had her best year of his career, of her career uh, this past year. Um, all WNBA had great scoring outputs. Uh, played some great defense as well, uh, and it was really you know at a point where Sue Bird may have been out, uh, Brianna Stewart was out. Jewel Lloyd was the face of this team this year, I would say, um, and so. It, it we don't really know what Drew Lloyd's going to do. I know that Lloyd has said she's going to take some time um, to sort of sit down and speak with family and just kind of l- look at things as a perspective and potentially look at other venues. Um, so, yeah, we don't really have an indication. The other day on Instagram, Lloyd reposted a story from someone else that she had uh, bought a house um, and the letters in the background were spelled out the word Chicago. Um, so whether that's, the fact that Chicago is where Drew Lloyd is from or that she may be looking to join the Chicago sky, the reigning world champs uh, that's up to Drew Lloyd. Right. Um, and something we won't know more than likely until potentially later this month or around uh, the beginning of February. So uh, this is a interesting, interesting situation considering how few players are on the roster technically to contract of the storm and to see how it all shakes out. So we will uh, be excited to bring you that information as we get it Uh, looking ahead for the storm free agency, obviously Um, next we have your time to check out Maestro athletics. That is M A E S T R O A T H L E T I C S.com. I know that Maestro athletics has put in some more orders uh, or is taking more orders excuse me for the rep this rep seattle hoodie um i believe there are some uh, some more uh, mighty kraken snapback hats and some rep seattle beanies available i know i got mine uh ordered i know it should be coming here probably tomorrow uh so i would go check them out it is m-a-e-s-t-r-o-a-t-h-l-e-t-i-c-s.com maestro athletics um as we head over to our seattle kraken here uh january 10th uh, the team would travel to play their first game uh, about a, a little over a little under two weeks. Uh, it feels like uh, at the Colorado Avalanche, losing that game three to four. Seattle had a three to one lead at a point in the second period and would give up three straight, three unanswered goals. Uh, really, really just tough um, as. Uh, The Kraken played a good game, I would say, through a period and a half. 
um, and things kind of started to fall apart. Uh, the Kraken, um, The Kraken uh, got back to some of their 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 bad habits uh, later in the second period and just did not look good at all in the third period. You know, turnovers, uh, blocking your own goaltender, giving up uh, the three on one opportunities, three on two, just just sloppy stuff. Uh, and it's frustrating because a win in Colorado would have been huge because I think the Colorado has only two losses uh, at home and two of the, those two losses are overtime losses. Uh, so it's, it's really frustrating to look at because uh, obviously it's been frustrating uh, as a season, you know, dealing with these same issues um, and to, you know, have that week of practice and hope, have hope that you had a lot of good practices. Uh, over the week and that you really were able to hammer home some things obviously game speed and practice speed are two different battles uh, but you just you know you hope some things would change because you normally wouldn't have a week of that uh, in the middle of a season um, so it just continues to be frustrating um, and again I, I always have to remember that you know this is an expansion team uh, it's their first year they're dealing with injuries and going through the pandemic still um so, you know, getting that consistency, getting that uh, chemistry out of this team is highly unlikely compared to a team like uh, Boston, who've been around each other, who've been together, and they, they know how to win games like that. They know how to finish, uh, and they can do it consistently, right? So, uh, speaking of injuries, uh, an injury-related news center, Jaden Schwartz, is out for four to six weeks. The Kraken have lost two of their top six scorers in the past two weeks. Uh, Schwartz will at least miss a month after having hand surgery. Uh, the injury was previously designated as an upper body injury. It's interesting in hockey how uh, your injury is either an upper body injury or a lower body injury and no in between. Uh, Schwartz was second on the team in points and is tied for the team lead in assists. In league-related notes, Evander Kane was released by the Sharks organization. The struggling player uh, released over a breach of contract and a violation of AHL COVID-19 protocols, um, which came after a 21-game suspension. Uh, On Monday, the NHL Players Association stated that the team did not have the grounds to do so, which is certainly an interesting accusation. So the Kraken record now sits at 10 wins, 18 losses, and four overtime losses. Uh, resulting in 24 points. They still sit at eighth in the Pacific Division. Uh, looking ahead for the Kraken, uh, they will play a double doubleheader on January 12th and 13th. The first of that two uh, is at the Dallas Stars with a 5.30 p.m. puck drop. Uh, the January 13th game at the St. Louis Blues is a 5 p.m. puck drop. January 15th versus the LA Kings is back at home at Climate Pledge Arena with a 7 p.m. puck drop as the Kraken hope to get home and write some woes that they've had. No real news over uh, for the overall rain here. It's like some sort of league-related news. Um, oops, do I have this? Oh, sorry. I've got this document open twice, and I shouldn't. Um, 
Carlos Cordero seeks U.S. soccer president role two years after he resigned in response to a misogynistic legal filing. Uh, he famously could not pronounce Megan Rapinoe's name correctly. Rapinoe herself, a day after uh, Cordero announced that he would seek U.S. soccer presidency role, uh, would blast this idea, stating that Cordero showed caveman levels of misogyny during the women's national team's equal pay fight. Uh, looking ahead for the rain preseason, uh, NWSL preseason comes up next month. So prepare for that. Uh, get your tickets uh, for the oil rain at Lumen Field. It should be an exciting time. And I'm looking forward to seeing people there uh, in the stands at Lumen Field. Uh, no supersonics news, no dragons news as we head into UW athletics uh, and team related news for the UW football team. Several Washington defensive backs announced that they are turning pro, including cornerbacks Trent McDuffie cornerback Kyler Gordon, and cornerback Brendan Radley-Hiles, announcing that they will all enter the NFL draft. So best of luck to McDuffie, Gordon, and hot Radley-Hiles. Um, and thank you for helping to continue the tradition of making Washington DBU. I just hope that you, none of you go to any of our division rivals. Uh, no division rivals for the Seahawks, that is. I would love to have one of you on the Seahawks, at least. Uh, on Friday, January 7th, defensive back Mish Powell, O'Day alum, uh, earns a scholarship. He previously had a preferred walk-on at University of Washington uh, and was put on scholarship by Kalen DeBoer and the new coaching staff at UW. So congratulations to Mish. Uh, on Saturday, January the 8th, UW is rumored to have brought on Jamarcus Shepard, be wide receiver coach, who will later be announced that was not made official. Uh, and the wide receiver coach position is still up in the air. Um, on Sunday, January the 9th, UW loses commitment of four-star wide receiver Jeremy Bernard, who cites the loss of wide receiver coach Junior Adams as his reasoning for decommitting. He would proceed to commit to Michigan State. Um, in college football news, on Tuesday, January 4th, the Pac-12 commissioner, George Klyavkov, stated that he wants teams in the conference to play one less conference matchup. He wants to start an annual series with the Big Ten. The only problem with that is... Um, is that college football tends to create schedules years and sometimes decades in advance. Uh, so that sort of thing may either take a while or might not happen outright. Um, on Saturday, the 8th, the future college football playoff title game sites were announced. Las Vegas and Miami, respectively, will be the host cities for the 2025 and 2026 national title games. On Sunday, January the 9th, Nick Saban, said that he wants guidelines uh, for NIL. Uh, Saban isn't opposed to players making money, but he thinks that there, quote, will be an imbalance relative to who can dominate college football. Ironic coming from somebody who is the coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, who actually lost to Georgia today in the national title. Uh, so go Georgia. Good for you. Um, so no looking ahead for the football team there as we shift over uh, to the men's basketball team. On January 6th, the Huskies men's team would take on Utah and gain their first win of uh, first conference win of the season, uh, winning that game 75 to 68, coming back from a 14 point deficit. Uh, player of the game would be Dejon Davis, recording 16 points, four rebounds, pardon me, five rebounds, four assists, and one block. Um, January 9th, the team would play at Colorado. Uh, losing that game 64 to 78. 
uh, as we look towards the player of the game here for the Huskies being Cole Bajima, recording 18 points, a career high, uh, shooting six three-pointers, that career high as well, getting two rebounds and one assist. Um, so now the Husky record sits at six and seven. Uh, their next matchups are... Ooh, oh, yes, those games are still on. Uh, January 12th versus Cal and January 15th versus Stanford. The women's... Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's right. The women's basketball team had their past two games postponed. Those games were supposed to be January 7th at Arizona State and January 9th at Arizona. Um, those games uh, postponed due to COVID issues. Um, so that sucks to see. Uh, Got to wait for more Husky women's basketball. The next scheduled games for the Dogs are January 14th at UCLA and January 16th at USC. Uh, no baseball news, no softball news, no soccer news on either side, and no volleyball news. Oh, yes, but the men's uh, hockey team uh, traveled up, traveled up, pardon me, travel. Hmm? Um, traveled down to San Jose to play the San Jose Spartans uh, hockey team. Uh, hmm? Huh. Okay. Uh, the men's hockey Twitter decided to not update. Give me one second, folks. I do apologize. No, 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 no. Okay. Um, so in the January 7th game against San Jose, the men's Husky team, the men's hockey team would win four to two. And then we do not have any idea if they won um, that game. On the eighth which is great. I would like to know. Yeah, so we have no idea. Oh, wait. Maybe I can... Sorry, folks. It's uh, just frustrating because I have no idea if they did, and there's been no one. Yeah, so no idea. So the gen the team record technically sits at nine and seven, but we have no idea on the January eighth game. So uh, maybe we'll find about about that next week. Uh, but with that being said, that is your uh, Seattle sports news.
uh, over the past week. Certainly interesting to, uh, like I said, now we've only got one pros team going, uh, men's and women's basketball going here, uh, and the hockey teams playing scattered games uh, here and there. But uh, outside of that, it's been relatively quiet right now. Um, And we look toward to uh, February as it looks like things will pick up with the rain. Uh, We'll get some free agency news with the storm. We're hoping, you know, that we get uh, spring training with the Mariners, uh, you know, among other things on the Sounders start up their season as well. So next month will be a little bit better for right now. It's a little quiet until we see you next week. I hope you all take care. Uh, We are back to the rain here in Seattle. Uh, Take care. Be well. uh, We will see you next time. Baba Bowie.